1: I work at a summer camp as a lifeguard/slash counselor and a couple years ago we had a pretty creepy incident. I was 17 at the time, and it was my first year on camp staff. The staff is like a big family, and some of us like to hang out at night until completely insane hours, like 2 am when we have to be up at 5.45 for work. Anyways. One night one of our friends comes up to my group of friends and says that she thinks another counselor is following her around. It was 11pm at that point so there was no way he just happened to keep bumping into her. We started talking and apparently this 15 year old kid had been doing this for a few weeks, leading up to him kissing her out of the blue. Of course we thought that was creepy as f and we told her to go to her tent. She says she can't. This kid had been talking to her through the tent walls for a few nights and she was scared he would try more. We agreed to stay with her until he went to bed at that point. After a few minutes of talking, the counselor in question walked up to our table and sat down. We were under a tent by the pool, but everything was dark except a light in the tent so no one saw him coming. He started chatting with us like nothing was wrong and after a few minutes we decided to go on a hike to try and lose him. So it was almost midnight and we were on a trail that took us to a clearing where we were hoping to hide. We made it to the clearing and sat down, and not 15 minutes later he walked up to us again. It was pitch black outside and we had no flashlight on. Creepy. Turns out, he was using the Snapchat map to find us. It gave him a good enough location to go to and then he just had to look for us. We ended up turning on ghost mode and he suddenly stopped showing up. We called him into our boss and they saw him walking around and questioned him. The worst part was what they found on him. He had a 6-inch knife, rope, and an empty 2-liter Nalgene bottle that smelled like someone had tried to get rid of the smell of alcohol. The night was as dark as ink and i maneuvered my rig down a desolate stretch of highway that seemed to stretch into eternity i'd heard stories of strange occurrences on this road stories whispered among truckers at truck stops and gas stations but i had always dismissed them as products of overactive imaginations and the weariness that comes with long hours on the road tonight however i would become a believer the road lay empty devoid of any other vehicles, and the only sound was the low rumble of my engine. The darkness pressed in from all sides, occasionally broken by the dim glow of my headlights. I had seen my fair share of eerie things during my years on the road, but this night promised to be different. As I rounded a bend, the beams of my headlights caught something unusual up ahead. I squinted at the figure in the road, attempting to decipher what I was seeing it was no ordinary creature this was the stuff of nightmares the beast stood tall on two legs like a man yet its body was concealed beneath matted cream red and brown fur its face was a grotesque blend of human and wolf-like features high cheekbones framed eyes that glowed with an eerie yellow light its snout protruded from a feral mouth spittle dripping from its lips my heart pounded in my chest as I realized I was staring at the dog man. Time seemed to slow as the creature's gaze locked onto mine. Panic surged through me, but something held me in place, preventing me from tearing my gaze away from its malevolent stare. Fear washed over me in cold waves as I felt the truck's tires grind to a halt. The dogman's lips curled into a snarl, unveiling rows of sharp, gleaming teeth it unleashed a bone-chilling roar that reverberated through the night, causing my eardrums to throb. Finally, my instincts kicked in, and I slammed my foot on the gas pedal, propelling the massive vehicle forward. The creature, seemingly startled by my determination, leapt backward, retreating into the darkness of the surrounding woods. My heart raced as I sped away from the nightmarish encounter, the memory of those yellow eyes etched into my mind. Hours later, I pulled into a rundown gas station, my hands still trembling on the wheel. I recounted my harrowing encounter to the skeptical attendant, who dismissed my story as the ramblings of a sleep-deprived trucker. But I knew what I had seen, and I knew I would never forget it. I have been a park ranger in a national park that's located in the United Kingdom, England, for just over 10 years. I'm not going to tell you which one or even the county of which it's located for the sake of my job as I still work here but there are some pretty weird things that you find every so often while on shift. Things that my superiors would likely not appreciate me sharing online. My job mainly involves patrolling the trails and checking that they're all in a safe state for people to walk through. I was also asked to talk with school children in assemblies and such after about a year on the job to express how important it is to stay with the group and on the trails. I gave pretty obvious reasons for this but little did I know I would soon discover some of the horrifying truths as to why they should never wander off. The first story I'm going to share with you took place on a beautiful spring morning in June, I think. This was during my first year on the job. The sun was still low in the sky but it was slowly rising and brightening my surroundings. I was on a normal morning patrol through one of the deeper trails as it hadn't been checked recently and protocol to frequently check all the trails for fallen trees and any potential natural hazards to hikers. It was such a beautiful morning. I remember walking along with a slight smile on my face as I listened to nature waking up in the trees and I found the cool breeze very relaxing and it had a truly peaceful effect on my mood. Suddenly the trees to my left were filled with the sounds of birds squawking loudly as they frantically flew away. I stopped and listened for a moment. Silence. A quote from another story I have read here reads very true to this situation. Prey is silent when predators are near. Now, understand that we don't have any bears or wolves here in England, nothing like that, so I supposed it could be a deer that had snapped a twig. However, the noise wouldn't usually drop like that as deer don't pose much of a threat to wildlife at all. I continued on, not thinking anything of it and after a short time, I got the urge to check behind me. There was a man walking maybe 100 meters back and I was on a long straight so it was easy to tell. I was confused as the trails aren't usually used until a little later when early dog walkers would show up and even then few would wander this far into the woods at this time. He seemed to be walking at a very relaxed pace. His hands in his dark blue hoodies pockets and he had faded blue jeans. I radioed over to ask if anyone had seen someone enter the trail I was walking shortly after I left but no one had seen anyone come in or out other than the occasional dog walker. I thought nothing of it but continued on at a slightly hurried pace. I usually wouldn't be bothered about being out on my own with another stranger, I wasn't a small bloke nor someone to get spooked easily. However, this guy just gave me a bad feeling. I was approaching a gate that leads to a much denser area of the woodland, more like a thick forest, and as I closed the gate behind me I noticed this man had stopped dead in his tracks. He seemed to be staring right at me but I couldn't be sure. Then he broke into a sprint. Not a light jog that someone out for exercise might, I'm talking a full-on sprint. It was almost aggressive. I freaked out and turned to run. Why would a complete stranger who was previously so calm and relaxed suddenly be sprinting at me? He hadn't called for help or even waved to me. Fortunately, The trail's long straight section was over and I ran round a curve and hid behind one of many large rocks that were by the side of the trail. I could hear his heavy footsteps thudding towards me right until he was just on the other side of the rock and he stopped. Again, dead in his tracks. He wasn't even out of breath. He just seemed to stand there for a while and then just walked off. I waited for what must have been close to 10 minutes to be sure he was far ahead and radioed the strange encounter to my colleagues, who agreed it was strange, and I cautiously continued on with my patrol. I never saw that strange man again and I hope I never do. I have many more memories I would like to share with you. Stay safe out there, kids. You are rarely truly alone in the forest. Forgive me, I'm an old fart, but I think you would appreciate my story. Back when I served in Vietnam in the Navy, I was just 19, a young buck. Our vessel was attacked by something. It came out of the water and tore the heck out of the ship. We never saw it coming. It was so fast. It took us several days to repair all the damage caused by this thing. The sound was deafening, like nothing I'd ever heard before we couldn't figure out at first what was making that kind of noise underwater when it was not a whale. In the following days, we kept a lookout for what happened. To start the story off, I was currently stationed off the coast of Vietnam aboard the USS Storms DD-780, which was an Allen M summer-class destroyer during her 1967 deployment to Vietnam in support of Operation Sea Dragon. Our radar picked up on something on the surface. It looked like a small island just off the coast of northern Vietnam. We made our way over there and found a conical shaped object sticking up out of the water, about 30 feet. We approached it cautiously at first, but slowed our approach after seeing no reaction from the small island, or whatever it was, it wasn't really a small island, I just call it that. The closer we got to this thing, the more unusual it became. To start with, there were obviously no trees on this island, which was only about 30 feet in diameter. It was all one big, smooth, cone-shaped mound. Then we noticed that the island seemed to be made out of this texture, not like rock, but what really caught our attention was when we got within several hundred yards and saw how much it began to move. The closer we got, the more it moved. We're about to continue on our way when one of my lookouts said he could hear something below the water. We all stood there quietly, thinking nothing of it until my signal man called for me and said that whatever was making that noise seemed to be coming from the island. The closer we got to it, the louder it seemed, and then my other lookouts said they could hear something as well, also over the sound of our own engines, which were very, very loud. So, I took us in closer. We could maybe see what was making all that noise. It suddenly dawned on me that this island was not at all stationary. Then, you have to remember, at the distance we were at, it totally looked like an island. This thing had started to move. This was a living sea organism. As we were watching it slowly undulate, even as it spread open to the top like some kind of giant clam, we wanted to get away, but our engines seemed to be straining against something unseen. The more we tried to move away, the harder our engines seemed to work. We were stuck. We were looking around for what was anchoring us. We looked down and saw that the closer it got, the more visible it became. It was like watching an image appear in a developing tank of photographic paper. What looked like islands at first became long lines that were attached all the way around this thing. Then I could see what looked like flippers, similar to an elephant's ears or so they reminded me. I even saw a face that looked somewhat like a giant lizard, with great big eyes. I called my gunner over, told him to open fire on this thing if it tried coming up out of the water at us. I tried turning our searchlight on the thing, but the light just seemed to disappear into it. Whatever this thing was, it did not want to be seen. We were dealing with a colossal bioform. I remember our ship beginning to shake as if we hit something underwater. We all thought it was coming after us until we heard a huge sucking sound and felt like we were beginning to slide sideways. The creature had let loose of our keel and seemed to be sliding back deeper into the ocean. Once the thing was completely submerged again, our engines came back online and started pulling away from this thing faster than I ever thought possible. I could see something moving around on top of it as we sped away. Whatever it was, it was now diving headfirst straight down. The more I looked, the bigger it seemed to get. Then it hit me, it was an eye, a huge round eye that looked like a big red bulb. Then it turned blue, the same way a bioluminescent fish changes colors. I remember turning to my lookouts, yelling for them to sound our horn, loud enough to hopefully scare whatever this thing was away. I remember the sound of our ship's horn bellowing into the blackness at top volume. And I remember seeing this huge red eye appear on that thing, staring right at us before it finally sunk back down below the depths of the dark ocean. There was this kind of flash of light, almost equivalent to a fireball going off underwater, like the creature had used some kind of secret weapon on us. It very much reminded me of the same way fish that have that bioluminescent gene in them will flash their colors kind of as a distraction, or the way the deepwater squid will do the same thing. That's kind of what it was like, but just on a massive, colossal scale. I could see a trail of bubbles going up to the surface, which exploded upon hitting the water, beginning to boil around us. This giant red eye came back into view, seemingly glaring at us from deep below. We were lucky we weren't all killed. I had my men sound the horn again, and we sped away from this thing as fast as we could. I know that some people will think what happened to us was just some kind of maybe, I don't know, a whale. But I'm here to tell you, this was not a whale. Questions I still ask myself every day of what this could have been. The only thing I can conclude is that this was Leviathan himself. What I'm about to tell you is very true. I've never told anyone in my life until now. This happened to me back in 2003 at our family farm in Ohio. It was mid-October, and my dad and I were on our way to the farm to deer hunt, as we always did every weekend. We arrived there around 5.45 in the morning. We sat in the truck, talking and joking about who was gonna see more deer or shoot the bigger buck like always. At about 5 till 6, we got out and got our gear on and headed towards the woods. As we entered the woods on the left side of the cow pasture, I noticed an odd eerie feeling, which was normal for me, I guess, as the woods always gave me that feeling, even since I was young. My dad walked me to my tree stand and made sure I got in and situated safely. He told me good luck as always, and I said I'll be back at noon. He then proceeded to his stand. A few minutes after he left, this overwhelmingly tingle came over my body, as if someone or something was watching me. At this time, it was still dark. I began to look around the surrounding timber, trying to make out silhouettes but couldn't. I was beginning to become very overwhelmed with that feeling of eyes upon me. A few minutes had passed since I scanned the timber last. I tried once more since my eyes had now adjusted to the dark better. I looked off to my left and then slowly towards my right again, and nothing. I tried to call myself and mentally say it's nothing, you're fine. All of a sudden, I hear a crashing coming towards me from the left, and my heart sinks as I look. It was a few deer running for what appeared to be their life. They blew through the woods and didn't stop. I could hear them still crashing through the timber. At this time, I was only able to make out silhouettes and outlines of trees. I thought that it was odd, but maybe a coyote or something was after them, and I just shrugged it off. Maybe five minutes later, it was still dark but dawn approaching. I then feel the hair on my neck stand up, and that eerie feeling comes back upon me. My heart starts to pound profusely. I hear the crunching of leaves and loud snaps of sticks from the direction the deer had run from which was the neighbor's property on the left side of our woods. It is 100 plus acres of switchgrass and hundreds of acres of other woods. I look up and see what appears to be my dad walking towards me. Daylight is starting to break now, but it's still pretty dark inside the woods. I wait to what I thought was my dad, and it got about 20 yards plus from me. I quietly say, what are you doing, dad? No response. It just continues to walk towards me. So I say a little louder, Dad, what are you doing? And still no response. I began to say, hey, you know you're trespassing, buddy, but no response. As it got to the tree that my deer stand was in, I noticed that it was not my dad. I began to freak out. I look across the woods to where my dad's tree stand is, and I see his flashlight climbing up a tree. That's when I looked down and saw this thing standing directly underneath my tree stand, looking dead at me. Whatever it was, it was tall enough to reach up and grab my foot with ease. Mind you, I'm 14 feet up this tree. I began to start crying from fear, and my heart was beating so hard and fast I thought it was going to explode out of my chest. I let out a wimpy, muffled, I uh, yell. It just grumbled at me and walked off following the direction of the deer. I watched it disappear into the timber as the darkness was fading fast. Once it was gone, I was overwhelmed with this god-awful smell of body odor mixed with the smell of death, old hound dog, and trash. As the morning went on, the woods were dead silent. Not a bird, squirrel, or deer, nothing. I've never heard the woods that quiet before, ever. Once I calmed down enough to climb down and out of my tree, I ran to my dad and told him I wanted to leave him now, but I didn't feel well, so we left. This happened to me when I was 15. I'm now 29, and I've never hunted our woods in the morning again. I will not be there after dark to this day, and I still have not told anyone until now. I do not smoke, drink, or do drugs. Never have. I promise this is a hundred percent true story and the scariest thing that's ever happened. Born and raised in Oklahoma and have been my whole life. I grew up fishing, tracking, everything you could possibly want to do in the outdoors. My entire family is that way, and I raised my boys the same way. However, I've never been one to believe in all of the silly fairy tales that people spew about Bigfoot and other silly animals that live in the woods, and apparently exist. Until one day, me and my oldest son had a strange encounter when we went to go fishing at one of our local creeks we like to frequent. It was a beautiful sunny day in June of 99, and we thought we'd make a good day of it and go pack some food and have a good day fishing, just father and son. Well. We've got everything loaded up and got the tackle box and our poles and headed out. The creek we were heading to is roughly about 20 minutes away from our house, since we kind of live a little bit out of town. When we got to the creek, all seemed well and lively. The water was rushing pretty quickly, even though it was June. The stream was still ice cold, which is always great to stick your feet into just after getting there and you've been walking around, and it's very hot this particular spot, it's a pretty typical creek bed, but there is a lot of bushes and brush scattered throughout the area, and I'm talking tall bushes that are like 6 to 7 feet tall. It's definitely not clear and open, so you have to kind of find a nice spot along the riverbanks to fish. We found a nice spot to sit down, and we began to unpack our food and get our tackle box and poles all set up. As I'm sitting there helping my son, I noticed my son's attention is not on what we're doing. Instead, he's looking over my shoulder with the most confused look on his face, seeming quite distracted. I thought that was pretty odd since my son's favorite pastime is fishing, and I never lose his attention to anything other than fishing. So I turned my head to see what he's looking at, and I think maybe it's a bear or something, but I was wrong. About 30 feet away, behind a 5-foot bush was this face peeking out, staring at both of us. It looked humanoid but also had a very Northolica quality to it, with hair all around it and more of a cone-shaped kind of head. The cheeks were bare, and the skin looked very leathery, but there was hair all over the face. The eyes were dark, and I couldn't really make out any pupils. Its nose was like ours, not like a gorilla's. I wasn't really sure what it was at first. Once it realized both of us were staring at it, it immediately popped its head back down. My son starts freaking out, wondering what on earth that was looking at us. I was starting to freak out a little bit too, but I just wanted to chalk it up to somebody playing a cheap trick on us with some sort of stupid Hollywood mask. So I yelled out, whoever you are, leave now. I have a gun on me. And this thing, faster than I could have ever imagined bolted out from behind this bush into the woodline, about another 70 to 80 feet. Now, I want to remind you that this is total daylight, so we were able to see everything pretty clearly. This thing was about 5 to 6 feet tall and pretty hairy. I mean, I'm talking full black hair. If a black bear could be walking on two legs and running like a human could, you would pretty much be nailing it, except for the cone-shaped head and no neck. It didn't really look like it had much of a neck, and its arm swayed back and forth. It was also very barrel-bodied and built like a tank. It never looked back as it ran, and I've never seen anyone or anything run so fast. As soon as it hit the wood line, it disappeared. My son, for the rest of the day, kept wondering what on earth it was that we saw. I told him that we would talk about it later and to try and just enjoy our fishing trip. Well. We didn't really fish there for long before he was just too uncomfortable, so we left to go back home. On the drive home, my son was in a stupor and he asked me, did we see a Bigfoot? I told him that Bigfoot isn't real and it must have just been somebody trying to pull a prank on us. Looking back, I was really naive to think that. I've told this encounter to a couple of friends of mine who are Bigfoot enthusiasts. And they informed me that what I probably experienced was a juvenile Bigfoot, since it appeared a lot more curious and playful than it ever did territorial or aggressive in any way. I'm not really freaked out now, but whatever it was, it was very strange. I felt weird. For me and my son seeing when it was. Now that my son is all grown up, he still goes fishing in that exact same spot, but we've never really talked about the experience since, and I've never brought it back up. Nearly 10 years ago now my husband, a mutual friend of ours, and I went hiking in the BRM in North Carolina. It was intended to be a day hike, lead by our friends so we brought only our day packs, enough water for 5 miles, and some of those tuna packs with crackers so we could snack. We get to the trail our friend had supposedly hiked before, and when it forked he said he wasn't sure which one he had taken, but it circled a row and so either way it would lead right back. Now is a good time to explain this friend. He is spacey in the way that we have to remind him to eat the food on the fork he has been holding for a few minutes, or in the way he sliced the tip of his finger off with a bandsaw because he was looking at his coffee. He and my husband had been on many backpacking and hiking trips before, but our friend had never been a leader before. This was the trip he wanted to prove his skills. About seven miles in, on top of a clearing, he admits he is lost. When we ask a few of the random people setting up camp along the trail where the trail back to the parking lot is, nobody knows. So with no more food, no more water, and dwindling light we are lost. My husband is excellent at orienteering so he now takes lead, I am center, and our friend is the caboose. My husband gets out his water filter, filters water into our Nalgene's from a fast-moving river, and picks a direction to follow. About three miles into this new trek, it is now pitch black, we are in the thick of the forest, it is cold, and we hear a whimpering, whining sound. We stopped and listened for it and as we do my husband turns his headlamp back to look at me and freezes. His eyes grow large and he tell us to keep moving, and if we see a good, sturdy, walking stick-sized branch, to grab it without stopping. Of course our friend SND I look behind us, it was a pack of coyotes, we had wandered into their territory and they were telling us to get out of it. We kept moving, and the coyotes kept following constantly making these yippee whining sounds to let us know they were still there. It felt like a death walk, and the longest death walk at that. Finally, after what felt like dozens of miles, the trail widened and connected to another trail, but we followed my husband straight on the path we were on, as did the coyotes. The trail opened up to the parking lot where we quickly walked to our car and quickly jumped in as we drove away we saw the coyote standing in the treeline watching us our friend has never lead another trek since then this is a story that my grandfather had told me back from when he was younger he's had property in his generation for a long time and he and his father used to hunt on their property out in texas as of currently our family had moved to minnesota and then, as where we've been currently residing for a long time, we actually don't even visit the old property anymore, and haven't in ages. My grandfather has been hunting since he was just a boy, so he's a fairly experienced woodsman who doesn't really ever fear much. It still gives me chills to this day to hear this encounter because my grandfather still gets shaken up every time he recounts it. My grandfather hunted all sorts of game, deer, coyotes, squirrels, you name it. They had a lot of property to work with, so he had a lot of time on his hands to really learn the woods around him and get a good feel for the game in the area. There's even wild turkey that would run around there from time to time, so there was plenty to hunt all season long. This particular day ended with him taking a route that he didn't normally take to venture out to a different part of the property that he wasn't used to. He and his father had several different routes they would take on their property to go venture off to different spots to go hunt. After making it maybe a mile is when he started to hear strange vocalizations and other bizarre noises in the woods around him. At first, he told me he thought it was a bird, but he said there's no birds in the woods that sound like these noises did. They would come and go, so he kind of wrote them off at first, but they started getting louder and more frequent. But he kept venturing further because my grandfather isn't afraid of anything. After venturing maybe another mile was when he started to get hit with a very strong skunk musk odor that was said to smell like rotting meat and skunk. My grandfather described it like coming upon a pile of a hundred dead rotting skunks just sitting in the sun and baking. He said it was so strong there'd be times it was hard not to want to gag and vomit. He said he kept looking around but didn't see anything. But he started to get the overwhelming feeling that he was being watched. At this point, he knew something was up. He couldn't find the source of the smell, and things were getting more eerie as time went on. He also told me that as he ventured around the area, there were times where he would run into stuff that didn't quite look right, like markers that weren't quite man-made, as if they might have markings from animals or something he told me about how he found smaller trees that were ripped up out of the ground and turned upside down and pulled back into the ground. What's scary was this is back in the 1940s, and their property was pretty large as well as being private, so nobody was going to be hanging out on their property doing anything like this. And if so, who's going to rip up all these small trees out of the ground and who's going to have enough strength to drive them back into the ground? This was really unsettling. My grandfather also believes he stumbled upon a small den of whatever it was he was smelling. He said he also found a small cave opening that opened up into a cave that he estimated to be roughly 30 square feet, but the stench of the dead skunk smell was where it was coming from. He also said he could see bones just from the cave, and it's alone and decided it was probably a good idea to head back home. Although they were the bones of deer, from what he gathered, He didn't want to take any chances. He told me that as he was leaving the den, he started to get an extremely overwhelming feeling of dread and felt the need to get the hell out of there. That's when he noticed rocks starting to be thrown in his direction, and I'm not talking about little pebbles. I'm talking rocks the size of a tire, literally being thrown through the woods about 10 to 20 feet near him. This was obviously enough, So he was so scared he booked it out of there and got back home as fast as he could. He said whatever was throwing those rocks at him had to be incredibly strong and obviously not a human. He said there were some sort of stomping and screaming noises that were going on as soon as he was leaving the den. Something was trying to drive him out of the area, and whatever it was was close by. He tells me there were multiple of these things not even 50 feet away, but he couldn't see them. After that. He still continued to hunt on his property but not nearly as much as he used to, and he never went beyond where he went before. He continued to stay in new areas. His father never said much about it, and I guess there was never really a whole lot to discuss since back then, especially, you'd be practically crazy if he ever brought it up. The property ended up getting passed down to him once his father died, and not long after that, he moved to Minnesota due to his career. i had been out fishing once in the norwegian mountains a small lake full of frying pond sized trout etc and during the summer night this far north it can be easy to lose track of time i realized around 22 that it was getting dark and i start packing up and walking the two hours back to my car this is in the western mountains of norway it's pretty steep and it goes from bare mountain to birch brush then grazing meadows a swampy bog and finally spruce forest. I usually let my mind wander as I walk. There's nothing to be on the lookout for. The most dangerous thing in Norway is the government, and they sure as hell keep to the capital. I'm enjoying the walk satisfied with a day of fishing, it's warm, a slight breeze has picked up and it's keeping the insects from biting. I'm in no hurry. My peaceful bliss was shattered just around midnight, When a shriek pierces the calm bubble my head was in. I nearly pissed myself. It sounds like a freaking banshee, and my blood starts boiling, hairs all over my body is rising, I start to sweat. I knew the sound was from a fox, but for the remaining 20 minutes of my hike I couldn't shake it. I started thinking that it sounded like a child being beaten to death. All kinds of panic thoughts race through my head about demons, horror movie monster, mutilated corpses. I have heard foxes shriek before, but this caught me by surprise. This took place back in the early 90s. My buddy would work until 9 to 10 pm. On a Friday, get home, pack his fly fishing gear and essentials, and then rack for 4 or 5 hours he would then drive an hour to my place and we'd load all the camping gear into his truck and take off before first light. This particular trip took three hours to get to the Sin Mahoning Creek in Potter County, Pennsylvania. We got there early, set up camp, grabbed a brew and sandwich, and finished until dark. We turned in early because of the long day. I woke and could see moonlight peek through the hemlock canopy as I tried to decide how badly I had to go to relieve myself. I decided to get up when I heard something very heavy approaching the tent. I thought, great, a freaking bear. It came within 4 or 5 feet of the tent and I could see a partial shadow silhouette against the tent its breath was a deep guttural grunt and it just stood there for almost a minute. I almost crapped myself thinking it was going to attack the tent so I quietly unzipped the sleeping bag while trying to will the boogeyman away. As if by magic it left heavy footfalls trailing off into the night. I decided I didn't have to go after all and started to drift off to sleep when I realized it walked away on two legs. I instantly knew what it was and lay awake processing everything. I finally fell back to sleep after convincing myself it wouldn't return. In the morning I was careful not to mention anything to my buddy as I inspected the campsite for footprints. Nothing, zip, nada. The hard-packed earth and surrounding stones prevented any footprints. The weird thing is I kind of blocked out this event for years before acknowledging it to my buddy after he saw a Bigfoot in Lycoming County. Why I buried that event in my memory beats the hell out of me. For fear of ridicule? I don't know but I can't help but wonder how many other folks have done the same. It all starts on a winter night in Juneau, Alaska. About six years back while I was a senior in high school, a few friends of mine were over at my house, a neighborhood on the side of a mountain surrounded by a forest. We were bored with our video games and TV, so we all decided to walk a trail in the woods. This is about 3 am. And we weren't worried about running into bears because it was their hibernation time. So we gear up for the zero degree weather and leave for a trail up the mountain that I had played it as a kid, running through the woods and building forts. So of course growing up in it, knowing it was like my own home I wasn't too worried. We had crossed a bridge onto the trail and walked about a half mile when my friend stopped and said he heard something up ahead. I say that it's most likely a deer or something, having seen much of Alaska's wildlife in these woods. So we keep walking and by this point, he's a little nervous glancing around a lot. My third friend started to say it was probably the Kushtika, a local legend of a creature that shapeshifts into something that lures you to your death. He freaks out even more and I tell him I've spent half my life in these woods and haven't seen one thing that was remotely strange. About 5 minutes later we heard snow crunch under a huge pine tree about 10 yards in front of us. We stop dead in our tracks, looking up the path towards the tree. I shine the flashlight in that direction and we catch a flash of something moving behind the tree, almost like a bike reflector or something. We start walking slowly away from the tree, back down the trail, not looking away from the tree. Then we see a hand from behind the tree touch the ground and I stopped dead, frozen with fear, not looking away with my flashlight directly on it. It took a few seconds for my friends to realize what I was looking at. Then they saw it too. My friend who had been scared this whole time went nuts and started putting together words that made no sense. Whatever was behind the trees leaned out to look at us. Its eyes reflected like a dog's from the beam of my flashlight. Making its face blurry from the glare. Instantly we all run, not daring to stop. No movement was heard until we reached the bridge when one of my friends fell on the ice. That's when I heard it bounding up the path towards us. I shine my light and there it is running towards us on all fours half screaming, half howling. It looked almost like a human but seemed to be a lot taller and skinnier, very pale in the moonlight and against the snow. It was completely naked. So I ran and jumped off the low bridge onto the frozen creek and yelled for them to follow me. We run down the side of the creek towards my neighborhood. I have never run so fast and so far, but I kept on for fear of what I saw. During the entire run, I could hear whatever it was running through the woods directly to the right of us, all the way until we got to the street light by a children's park. To this day my friend and I still bring up crazy theories of what we had seen. My other friend, the one who had been so terrified, had never brought it up again. I grew up in a small village in the countryside of Northwest England. My mother and father split when I was around 3 years old. I stayed with my mom but she was largely absent for most of my youth and I was basically raised by my granddad whom I lived with until he passed away. I had two best friends. The world was a safe place back then and on weekends and during holidays, my two friends and I would play outside in the woods from early morning until after sunset. It was during the school summer holidays of 1987 that this incident took place. I was eight years old at the time. And what I'm about to tell you is unbelievable and makes no sense to me even now. But I think the time has come to share it on the morning that this happened. I went around to call for my two friends to see if they wanted to come out and play. There's an area of woodland at the top of the village where a huge old oak tree had been struck by lightning and partially fallen down. My friends and I had claimed this area as our own little playground as the half of the tree that had fallen was really good for climbing and making tree houses and dens. We had christened it the base due to it being the place where we started the majority of our childhood adventures. It turned out that one of my friends wasn't feeling well so he wasn't allowed to play and the other had gone shopping with his mom. So that day I headed out to the base alone to get to the fallen tree. I had to walk through a large field which was periodically maintained but at the time the grass hadn't been cut and was around 3 feet high. The fallen tree was part of a larger cluster of trees along the bottom edge of this field and the lighter wood where the tree had split apart was visible through the overhanging branches of the surrounding trees from about halfway across the field. As I got to the middle of the field I looked towards the base to see if I could see any other kids there and I realized that I couldn't see the light of wood of the fallen tree. But in its place, all I could see was brown. My eight-year-old mind couldn't process this and the best I could come up with was that the tree had somehow grown its bark back since I was last there just a few days before. I was intrigued. I took a few steps forward when an overwhelming sense of fear came over me and stopped me in my tracks. At this point, I couldn't see anything but somehow I knew that something was very wrong and that something was near to the base. As I stared towards the base I realized that there was something brown obscuring my view of the fallen tree and then it had started to move. The thing that was standing there had its back to me and the second I realized this it slowly turned to face me. It was at that point that I knew I was in trouble. I realized that the brown I could see was hair, not fur, but hair about 4 inches long and it was exactly the same color as the tree bark. I couldn't tell if the hair was different colors or uniformly brown with dead leaves and branches and such in it. But from a distance, it would have been invisible to anyone looking. I couldn't move my limbs, which felt like lead and I could feel my heart beating in my ears. Every fiber of my being was telling me to run, but I was so scared. I was rooted to that spot. The thing squatted down similar to how a sumo wrestler does before a fight. I couldn't see its head or face as it was obscured by the overhanging branches but I got a clear view of its chest, stomach, and arms. The hair on its chest and stomach was slightly shorter than the hair on its back and arms and a bit lighter in color. It was huge, easily 4 feet across the shoulders, and at least 8 feet tall in its squatting position. Keep in mind that as an 8-year-old I had never seen or heard of anything like this before. To me. This thing was a monster, plain and simple. Its shoulders and biceps were absolutely massive and my only point of reference was that this thing was like the Incredible Hulk, but with hair. I was about 30 feet or so from it and I was so scared that I didn't even realize I had started to cry. If this wasn't unbelievable enough it brought its hands together in front of its chest making a circle shape with its thumbs and fingers. In the middle of the circle appeared a ball of pure white light which I now know to be an orb, but at that time I likened it to a floating crystal ball. The being stood up and dropped its arms down. As it did so its hands were close to being level with its knees and the orb stayed in the same position where it had appeared and rose with the creature. When it stood there was no sound. As this happened there were no birds singing, no grasshoppers chirping, And even though I could feel the breeze and see the grass and the leaves on the branches moving there was just deafening silence. I don't know how long this all took but I realized I'd been holding my breath as all this happened. I exhaled hard and as I did so a crystal clear thought flashed through my mind. If you don't run now you'll never see home again. I don't know how to explain where this thought came from but I know for a fact it wasn't mine. At that moment I felt a familiar nuzzling in my armpit and realized that Hobo, my granddad's Irish wolfhound, was behind me. I don't know how it got out, but I didn't realize he had followed me. He put his head beside my left shoulder and began growling and snarling and this somehow snapped me out of the trance I was in. I turned and sprinted as fast as I could back through the field. Hobo ran beside me all the way home. When I got back home it took my granddad about an hour or so to calm me down and I explained to him what had happened. He responded by giving me the worst beating he had ever given me in my life and sending me to my room. He then left the house telling me not to move. He didn't return for about half an hour. When he did return he came into my room and he sat on my bed, he hugged me and comforted me while I began to cry again. I was scared and confused. He told me that I had seen the wood woes and that I had to stay indoors for the rest of the summer, that I was forbidden from ever playing at that base again. Needless to say, I never went back there. Before this happened I was a happy outgoing kid. But this experience made me withdrawn and timid. I asked my granddad what the wood woes was and he told me that it was the tall hairy man who guards the woods. He said that he scares grown-ups away and sometimes takes kids to a place in the woods where they're never ever seen again. At the time I had no reason to doubt my granddad. He had raised me and was the only father figure I had when growing up. I think he beat me because he was scared and angry at what had happened to me and took these feelings out on me. I never thought any less of him for that. I didn't even hear the term Bigfoot until years later in high school when I found a book on unexplained mysteries and cryptids. I have since learned the stories of the wood woes go back to the 15th century, and it is referred to as the hairy man, the wildman of the woods, the fawn, and sometimes the green man. I don't know if it is a Bigfoot type being or if it's related to these adjectives but I know for a fact that there are things on this planet and in the woods and dark places that are beyond most people's understanding. I believe that my granddad also had some kind of encounter with one of those beings although he never admitted it until the day he died. Anyway, that's my experience. I am 41 years old and still researching and looking for answers. I still believe that if it wasn't for my granddad's dog that thing would have taken me. I still live in the Cheshire County countryside in Northwest England and the woods around where I live now are the playground of my kids and their friends. I don't want them to be scared of the woods but I do encourage them to be sensible. It was the winter of 2013, I was 19 years old. I was driving out in the country, and my friend Megan and I were taking my friend Tiffany home after the movies. Tiffany lived in the middle of nowhere, up in the hills about 30 miles outside Waverly, Ohio. We dropped Tiffany off at her house at 11 pm. We knew it was exactly 11 because Tiffany had an 11 o'clock curfew and we got her home just in time. We drove up the hill to Tiffany's house. She got out and we turned around and drove off back down the hill to the road. This was a small back road, the drive back to the main road took about 15 minutes and involved about 4 different turns. Looking back Megan and I both remember driving for about a mile and making that first turn. Then suddenly I'm looking out the windshield and I see we are no longer on the same back road. We're back on the main road almost to the highway, 20 miles from where we were just seconds ago. I looked over at Megan in the passenger seat, she looked like she was almost in a trance. I asked her Megan, how did we get here? We're almost to the highway. She looked at me, tears in her eyes, and asked what just happened? It was then that I looked down at the clock and it was 12.30. In the blink of an eye nearly an hour and a half had passed and we had somehow traveled 20 miles. We drove the rest of the way home in silence, totally in shock at what had happened days later an image started popping in my mind we are sitting in the car it stopped in the middle of the road we are both frozen staring at the headlights and the road in front of us i also have a vague recollection of something in the trees off the side of the road megan had similar memories it's been 10 years and i still refuse to go back to that area My mom was a missionary with the tribes in southern Alaska and I grew up with stories of weird events. I'm in Northern California, about 10 minutes from the Oregon border along the coast in the heart of the Redwoods. Six years ago my son and I were out deer hunting. We had taken an old logging road that went off the main logging road. It went off about two miles. At the end was regrowth and a couple more roads and trails that took off downhill. I had my 7-year-old son pick a road to take. We headed down for a half mile when we came to a small creek. We continued down another half mile or so to a plateau where we sat and listened and glassed the area. After about 15 or so minutes we began to hear rocks slapping together. My son looked at me and asked, What's that dad? I had no idea. I've been hunching for 20 plus years and never heard anything like that. I told him to get up and head back to the truck. The rock slapping lasted five or so minutes. We made our way back slowly still trying to hunt, but also listening to any other out of the normal sounds. We're about halfway back to the creek and we heard something coming right at us, running through the brush and trees. I raised my rifle to almost shoulder level. Then a deer popped out, running at my son and me. It went around past us not no more than ten feet. As I stood there the first thought was it should be scared of us, but it ran right at us. My next thought was whatever it was running from was bigger than us. My son was on edge and I said let's head back. The part I'll never forget is when we hit the small creek we had stopped earlier there was a sapling about 5 inches in diameter that was snapped over and blocking the way. As soon as my son saw that he looked at me with utter fear in his eyes and began to run the whole way back to the truck. As he was running to the truck, I was trying to calm him down and try to get my mind in control. The rock slapping begins again. We reached the truck, jumped in, and left. He was in tears and said that he never wanted to go back to that spot. Every year we go hunting he brings up that event. I still consider myself lucky to still have him go hunting with me after that event. I know if it were me at that age I would never want to go in the woods again. not my story but my seniors two of them were sending one of my friends that has fallen sick we all are in the same club and we're having a camp from a park back to the bunk late at night before the camp begins all of the seniors wore wristbands that were taken from a temple to protect them from any danger because we never knew what would happen as they were walking back they were lost however out of nowhere a black dog appeared and started walking in front of them like it was a sign asking them to follow. They followed, and they did actually went back to the bunk safely. When they looked for the dog after that, the dog disappeared. They even mentioned that the dog was pure black, just like a shadow. When my senior looked at his wrist, the wristband was gone. Creepy if you ask me. I had an uncle in the CIA who claimed the CIA imprisoned a kid who was possessed and fed them information. Uncle B began college in the early 60s with a major in theology to become a pastor. He was married and was in love with his wife Missy. During his third year, he and Missy found out they were going to be parents. Tragically a week later she was killed in a freak accident by a drunk driver. B dropped out of college. He said of the time. I don't think I completely lost my faith, but I didn't want to talk to God anymore. After a while, he transferred to a different college and majored in political science, minored in linguistics, and joined the ROTC. He got out with his commission in army intel and went to Vietnam. He did a bunch of crazy stuff and was then recruited into the CIA after a few years in the CIA. He said he got assigned to a counterintelligence team in NYC they wanted him, with his background in theology, to infiltrate the Russian Orthodox Church in NYC to gather intel about the KGB using it as a cover. His cover story was that he was ordained Orthodox priest but not Russian. He had converted and wanted to be regularized or something to that effect, I didn't really understand. He tried explaining it, but it went over my head. Anyway. He got the bishop's blessing and he became an associate pastor or something like that. I was drinking when he told me all this so forgive me if I don't remember how all that worked. I'm sure there was more but it's beside the point. After a year undercover in this assignment he was making progress. But then one day this young man, late teens, came into his office. He said he was clearly distressed, erratic, and angry. He knew who he was indirectly. His mother had been going to a different priest and talking about her son hearing voices and acting strangely. My uncle thought he needed to get him to a hospital. But then the kid lunged at him started talking in Aramaic, and called him by his real name and his deceased wife's name. And then the name they were going to give their unborn son, they had names picked out for a boy and a girl, they were also not common names. This freaked him the F out because he had never told anyone that she was even pregnant before she was killed. So he then called his handlers and they took him and the kid to a safe house. They thought he was schizophrenic, but spooks wanted to know who was on to my uncle and how much they knew. My uncle started the interrogations because the kid was switching through multiple languages Russian, Greek, Latin, Aramaic, alongside English, and only my uncle knew these. He said he thought demonic possession was just superstition so he didn't really want to believe that was possible still he said he had no idea how the kid knew the things he did he asked the kid for his name when his voice started to sound like a dog growling at him they had to restrain him and even then the straps looked like they could snap he said i asked what name did he give and he started to tell me but then he said that name had become classified in a way that he said could affect me since it was unusual. I don't think that was true, but B had become convinced it was a demon and I think by saying its name it would come back or something. He said it started talking about their projects and a bunch of classified stuff. His supervisors decided that the kid was deranged, but they had to ascertain how he came to know what he did. They decided to transport him to Langley, Virginia, CIA headquarters, to be treated and interrogated. B was given a cover story he delivered to the priest that the kid had a psychotic breakdown, attacked him and that he took him to the hospital. He then left and never went back. His superiors decided to terminate the operation because they felt that his cover was severely blown and that B may have even been a double agent and this kid somehow found out about it. Either way, B was sent to Langley. They wanted him to keep interrogating the kid as a priest. This turned into a spectacle he said as people would come into the room and see for themselves the demon they caught, and the kid would start spouting off secrets about them. said, Angleton, James Jesus Angleton was an American intelligence operative who served as Chief of Counterintelligence for the Central Intelligence Agency from 1954 to 1975, eventually came down to see the kid. The kid started talking and Angleton told everyone to leave the room. Several minutes later he came out looking like a ghost. He thanked B for his hard work but said the kid would never leave the CIA Angleton said whatever bastards leaked this information out to screw up this sick kid, he'd pursued at the gates of hell and personally put them down. B said after that he was reassigned to a desk job, he wanted the kid to get treatment in a real mental hospital and an exorcism. B decided to quit soon after that. I asked what did the kid say, but he said it didn't matter. He'd only say it was enough to convince him to come back to his faith, and he prays every day for that kid's soul years later after he told me this story the CIA declassified its gateway project. A 1983 CIA study investigated how humans can transcend space and time with their minds. I asked B about it. He said it was a cover, And an old colleague told him the information they got actually came from the source. That's what they called him. Be speculated that at some point the source quit talking and that's when they folded the psychic project. I asked him what he thought had happened to the man. He said he didn't know but most likely they loaded him up with antipsychotics and put him in an institution. Check this out. This is a true story. We used to sneak in and go fishing at Green River Golf Course off the 91 Freeway in Southern California. It's a long walk in, there's a couple lakes. There's one lake, the best one, all the way towards the back of the course. It rests against a big hill. We were walking, me and my cousin and another friend, toward the lake. We were almost there. And the trees surrounding the lake just started walking. like. They were surrounding the lake, around 6 to 10 of them. It was like we startled them and half went one way and half went the other. It was crazy. From the moonlight, we could see the silhouettes move. It looked like the trees just started walking, like trying to clear out of there before we got there. We stopped dead in our tracks and never fished that night. Nobody believes that story but it happened. I have seen UFOs too. No big deal. That stuff is 100% real, no doubt. But that night I saw the trees move. It really happened.